gentlemen we are back cranked and ranked this is that's what you're listening to or watching um and we're back to rank some more shit and um this is a this is a a special one um a fun one for sure um and uh for those of you who are new to this podcast or youtube show um we experience the, yeah, well, that's I like that even, even better. The YouTube experience. Um, we're a podcast, and you can that look we us are. also. And we rank things, rock and metal and music related, discographies of artists and other things. Whenever we, you know, get a get a itching to do something else, um, we do that too. But today it's just a good old band discography, and um, and we're 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 giving it some time. Like this is a uh, obviously you you saw the title. We're doing Pantera, um, yeah. which is a, which is a band that that started not you know just a few hundred miles away from me where I am right now. I'm in Houston, Texas. They started in um, the Dallas Fort Worth area. I don't know exactly where they were Fort living. Fort Worth. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know where they were living at the time um, in that particular when you know, when they first started, but. Um, Anyway, so they're they're really close to my heart because they're a a, a band from Texas, which um, is a state that has increasingly become a state that I'm, it's hard to find things to be proud of uh, to be from here. Um, and so Pantera is one of those things that like I I I'm like yeah they're they're from from my state, so that's fucking sweet. Um, but yes, um, introductions out of the way. Let's do this. I am old head with me as always, Mister Eddie Sparks. Hell yeah. Yeah. Um, now I'm going to I'm going to say, I know I probably don't need to say this, but um I'm I really hope we're gonna get a whole lot of Phil Anselmo impressions um in these two episodes because um I love it. You're, <clears throat> <laughs> you're, you're goddamn right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you always gotta remember when you when you if you when you're doing talky Phil, you gotta do a deep yeah. exhale after you say anything. Yeah. Heroin needle in my goddamn dick. <laughs> <laughs> that was so. That was so perfect. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so yes, we're doing Pantera, but we um we br- we're breaking it up over two episodes, um and what and we're including all Pantera albums, and not only that, like I decided kind of at the last minute that you know we're literally talking about Pantera albums from when they started in the early eighties, all the way to when they broke up in the early two thousands. And I was like, well, you know, we're including all of that. And then, you know, Dimebag literally just did one more album before he died. And that was damage plan. And I'm like, well, shit, that's, I feel like we need to include that too. You got to do it. Yeah, because it's just because I figured that if we did Pantera and we didn't talk about Damage Plan, people were going to ask, "Well, where where would you rank Damage Plan?" And with all of this mm. stuff, so we are indeed doing that. So it's ten albums total, nine Pantera albums, one Damage Plan album, um, celebrating the music that came from uh, Mr. Dimebag Daryl. Um, and uh, as as usual, we we usually start off 
um, each of us explaining like where the band came into our lives, where we, where we first heard them. And for me, it's weird because I know that they did music videos for, you know, like Cemetery Gates and Cowboys from Hell, and they played them on Headbangers Ball. Um, but for some reason, like, I don't have any recollection of seeing those music videos. My first memory of Pantera is, I don't even think it was a music video. I think it was a friend of mine from school. Uh, Vulgar Display of Power had just come out. And they yeah. were like, they were like, you, you, you should listen to this. And I was just like, holy shit. Like it was, <laughs> it blew my mind. Um, and then, of course, you know, I saw all you know the music videos that were out, and I've been a fan ever since. And it could be that maybe I did see, you know, like the Cemetery Gates video, and maybe as a younger kid, it just didn't really do anything for me because, you know, I would have been, you know, fourteen when Vulgar Display of Power came out. Um, so that was that was right in that sweet spot of like I was really discovering. I was ready. I was like a sponge. I was like, give me yeah. all the give me all the metal and you know all the the cool shit that you can throw at me. Um, and so, uh, so when was, when was your first exposure to Pantera? Very early on in becoming a metalhead round about when I was 11 or 12. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I've mentioned my uncle on here before, my yep. uncle Justin, he played a huge part in me, you know, discovering all of the bands and stuff that I love. Uh, and he ripped me like a shitload of like music onto these, like, uh, it's funny. They were actually like DVDs. Uh -huh. But he'd found a way to like get shitloads of like CDs worth of music onto these DVDs, and then I basically ripped them all to iTunes. And I mean, it's not the most legal thing in the world, but it was a cool thing for him to do for a young kid getting into yeah you know, music. So well, there's um, there there there's a difference between ripping a bunch of albums for for your friend or your relative, and then just letting everybody in the world have it <laughs> that's, that's true yeah a little bit bit different yeah or even worse you know selling it you know making money off of yeah so um yeah basically i just remember actually here's the thing though uh my first exposure to pantera was when i was a little kid because they provided the music for a spongebob episode Oh yeah, and it says at the start of the episode, anyone my age or anyone with kids my age has probably seen it, where it says special musical guest Pantera, yeah. and it's it's so funny, like seeing SpongeBob get beat the hell up to death rattle. It's it's like when I look back now, I'm like, fuck yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, yep, yep. Um, but what was it? Yeah, anyway, I remember listening to Vulgar Display of Power because it came on the thing. And I, and I just thought, damn, dude, like this really is the next logical step from, you know, where Metallica took it with the Black Album sort of thing. And they were like, right, we've got these money riffs and <laughs> yeah, we're going to take the whole damn song and make it the money riff. And uh, yeah, from, from there, I was just like, every Pantera song I heard... I was like, hell yeah. yeah. And about two years later, uh, I did the same thing with Pantera that I did with Faith No More. And I went into like HMV and I found one of those like five album little CD packs. And I was yep. like, this is like three pound an album. 
which was a great deal for me at the time because I only got like five, you know, I'm a young kid. I'm, I didn't have a job. Yeah. So I was like, fuck it. I've got five pounds pocket money a week. Uh, this is three weeks. This is basically three weeks wages for me. And I just yeah. bought three pounds an album, f- 15 altogether, 15 quid for five albums. That's a good deal. So I thought, fuck it, have that. And it sits proudly right next to my Faith No More five CD pack. But I remember first like listening through all of them being like, holy fuck, this is the most one of the most consistently good discographies I've ever heard. Yeah. 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 And that, and, and that's and that's not the, the, the actual full discography either, which is an Ooh. interesting thing that I'm sure we'll touch on a lot because we're going to talk about all of the albums, even the albums that are from the era that some people um you know decide they decided to call it glam terra which uh, i mean it's like one or two songs but really the only the only thing glam about their 80s era is their look like the music is like speed metal and borderline thrash well, a lot of the time well even comparatively speaking they don't seem as glam as like a lot of the glam music going on at the time so i i no, I, yeah. I, I, I i it's more of a derogatory term for me because i'm just like well it's um, it, I mean, uh, it's different for sure. But the thing that's interesting to me is it has been over the years is the fact that not only do fans kind of, you know, pretend that that doesn't exist, but the band would, yeah. would, would rarely even mention it. I saw an interview recently with Phil Anselmo and Rex Brown and, um, there was a, this, one of them actually briefly mentioned the earlier albums and that was it. And, but there wasn't a discussion about it at all, but the fact to hear one of them mention them, I'm just like, Holy fuck, they exist. Yeah. Um, and it's so <laughs> weird because you would see, you would see like on MTV and stuff. I remember like seeing stuff for like vulgar display of power and they would interview the band and the band would say, yeah, it's our second album. Like they would call it yeah. their second album. And I'm like, are you guys really just like erase everything you did because it's not cool anymore or what? Mm. I, that's always been a thing that I've thought was a little bit weird. Cause I'm just like, you, you were young and you liked it at the time you were doing the things that you wanted to do. And then you shifted your style. It, it happens. Yeah. But I, it's always been weird to me to just write off that early stuff and be like, Oh, it doesn't even exist because it's for what it is. It's, it's pretty good. And so, um, you know, Maybe at the time it was more of a front to uh, maybe they could see what was happening with the changing of the guard, really, in terms yeah. of like grunge being more popular than glam. They were probably just trying to weather the storm. Like they were like, uh, yeah, in, in today's terms, it would be called a rebranding, I guess. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and it, so it, it is what it is. But yes, we're going to be talking about those. Um, before, we, before we jump into doing the, the discography, I had to bring up. Um, so this episode will be coming out June 1st and two days later on June 3rd is our two year anniversary of doing Cranked and Rank. Well, it's a little bit, it had already kind of passed because if those of you have listened before, we actually recorded an episode that was supposed to be the first that didn't actually happen because of technical issues. But I was going to point the blame at you. It's um, okay. I've embraced it. It's funny. <laughs> the uh, the the our first episode that we ever released was released on June third in 20, 2020. 2020, um, yeah. 
And um, and so it's been two entire years uh, of us putting out Cranked and Ranked with, you know, some breaks here and there. But for the most part, we've been pretty damn steady. Um, a lot of podcasts that I listen to, there'll be like huge gaps of months with nothing coming out. I'm like, well, we've never done that. We've done a couple <laughs> yeah. weeks at the most. Um, so, uh, so yeah. So thanks to everybody for listening to us for two. If you've been on for two years, then you are the ultimate peanut butter platypus. Speaking of that, each one of us has a piece of merch. If you're watching the, uh, oh, you have a mug too. If you're it's watching right the YouTube video, Eddie is wearing his cool pink cranked and ranked shirt. And then I am and drinking out of the uh, cranked and ranked mug that says peanut butter platypus and has our lovely images on it. Um, so go go buy those. Go to, uh, you know, I always forget the fucking URL or whatever. <laughs> it's in the My, description. Myspreadshop.com. <laughs> no oldhead.myspreadshop.com or old-head.myspreadshop.co.uk because you can get stuff from the UK. I, so re- recently, we sold some stuff um, with some old head and some Crankton Rank merch to somebody in Australia. Wow. And I was like, that's sweet. Um, nice. So yeah, cheers to, uh, to to everyone around the world that watches. So yeah, anyway, um, happy <laughs> Good day, anniversary. Mate. Yeah. <laughs> Let's put another shrimp on the barbie. I'm sure they've never <laughs> heard that before. We over, we just love your crocodile Dundee over here. Um, but yes, happy anniversary, sir. It's been, it's it's been a it's been a fun couple years. Hell yeah, brother! And here's to here's to many more years. Um, so. Without further ado, we've done enough ado. Now let's do something else. Um, let's jump into ranking uh, the album. So it's going to be, since there's 10 albums, evenly split, five, today's going to be the bottom five. Um, and like I said, we're including all Pantera albums and Damage Plans uh, album, which is called New Found Power, I believe, if I remember right. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, so yeah. So as usual, I throw it over to my good pal, Eddie Sparks, to start it off with his number 10 pantera album cool so before i go into it i want to say i like every one of these mm-hmm. albums me too um and it is simply a case of favorite to least favorite mm-hmm. but my bottom pick had to be metal magic from 1983 the debut metal magic you can tell like right out of the gate this is a band with promise but it's very much in its infancy. They're figuring out, you know, there's a lot of new wave of British heavy metal stuff going on that, uh, in their influences and whatnot, you know, but I'm going to jump in. Ride my rocket. You can tell right out of the gate. <laughs> Ride my <they're>, rocket. Yeah. <laughs> That's it's, a like, fun, it's a fun opener. Like that, that is, but the, the thing is, I feel like that it's a really strong opening of like, Hell yeah, like Robo Rocket. Then it's like kind of like, oh okay, this you, is like uh But but you have to you have to admit, but that's it's a it's a fun song, but it starts and you're literally, literally like, oh Detroit Rock City much? I I, <laughs> I literally said in my notes you can tell they like KISS. Like yeah. cause it, even even KISS did a song called Fucking Rocket Ride, so That was an like, Ace Fraley song. That's a great yeah, one. Yeah. It is a good song. Yeah. Uh but yeah, like, I'll be alright. Killer riffage, very new wave of British heavy metal. That mm-hmm. solo, holy shit! And Dime is only like sixteen. Sixteen, yeah. Or I mean, or, I mean, that insane. he was sixteen when it came out. He may have been fifteen when they recorded it. Fuck, I don't know how long Ooh. it took to get it out. 
Holy um, fuck. A young pup, and he already was smoking pretty much everybody else, I'm sure, that was in other bands at the time. Do you, do you want to know what I was learning at, at 15 on guitar? The riff to heart-shaped box, let alone, like, the shit he's playing on here. Yeah, yeah, yeah I was yeah, I was playing Nirvana and stuff like that. So yeah. the simplest shit. I still can't play much. I can, I, I'm, I'm a good rhythm player, but any, any, any leads or solos, man, I'm stiff as a board, man. I can't, I just, it's awful. You gotta play to your strengths. Not everybody's the same, but yeah. I'm all, I'm uh, all about the money riff. That's why I, that's why I play rhythm. The all the money time. riff. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, tell me if you want it. Tell me if you want it. Is mm-hmm. good fun. Got to got to got to point out. We got to throw some throw some props at Mr. Terry Glaze. Yes. Um, who uh, is the vocalist on the first three Pantera albums? And he's on this album. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna say his vocals are the worst on this first album. It's very. Yeah, I don't know. It's like he didn't have the confidence. He gets a little bit more confident, you know, with their second album, um, and then later on, if 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 for those of you who don't know, he later uh, in the eighties, in the late early nineties, I don't remember when they started, but he was he was a singer of a band called Lord Tracy, um, yeah, which had which had uh, the 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 non hit single, um, "See You Later, Baby, Going Out with the Boys," <laughs> <laughs> man, like. That's the thing. Like on this album, he's like still, you know, kind of getting his confidence. And then you get uh, projects in the jungle where he's like Joe Elliott on steroids. Yeah, yeah. And then we'll get to that. Like, <laughs> and then and then by like album number three with "I Am the Night," he's just like absolutely venomous. Just yeah, he's got this real like gnarly shriek to him. Um, but yeah, latest lover, the glammiest song on here yet. Rat levels of hairspray. Uh, biggest part, <laughs> biggest part of me, it's power ballad time, uh, metal magic. You know, for for the most part though, this song has much more in common with speed metal and thrash than like glam. Um, Widowmaker is more riffy early eighties metal stuff. Nothing on, but the radio. Chorus bass. I love chorus effect on a bass. That is, <laughs> it's one of one of many. Uh, 80s tricks that just tug on my heartstrings. Um, mm-hmm. Sad, sad lover is a plodding rocker kind of rock out, ass kicking closer. It's a fun ride, pardon the pun, but it's definitely a band figuring out who they are, even there's, if they do shred like fucking crazy. There, there's something so adorable a- a- about a band at that point that not only named their album metal magic, but then also had a song called rock out. Like it just, mm. it makes me feel so excited for them because they had to have been like, I ima- like imagine like being, being able to pull something together like that for your first album, because it's not, you know, it's not like a, an amazing album, but I could just, I can just feel the excitement of those young dudes. Cause the other guys were, I think were like 18, 19 years old. Like they were still, you know, teenagers technically. Um, and, and so it's just, you hear that in, in this album where it's very, it just sounds like young kids having a good time, you know? Yeah, definitely. It, it's got a, it's got a fun youthful energy to it. Yeah. That's, that's its best quality. But uh, yeah, that's my number 10 with metal magic over to cool. you. Cool. I'm going to stay in, in the same um, era as you, but not the same album. My number 10 is I am the night from 1985 Ooh. the third album um and the last one with terry glaze on vocals 
So the reason why this one ends up at number 10 for me is because it, it when you go through Metal Magic and then Projects in the Jungle, I Am the Night is kind of just like more of the same. There's not a big enough progression there. And even then, even, even with no progression, it's almost like a little bit of a regression because Project in the Jungle is a very... Uh, cohesive you know album where they had a sound they were going for and here's what they did but i am the knight very similar to, to metal magic has this thing where it's like oh let's just grab from whatever types of metal we want to write a song this this one's a speed metal one this one's a glam one this one you know and i am the knight is all of a sudden going back to just doing that again mm-hmm. and at that point it, it wasn't it, it wasn't interesting enough um to make me go oh I, i'm happy to hear more of this i'm it, it's really like if you listen to all three albums in a row you get to i am the night and you're like look this is good but it's very clear that they need some new blood in that band um and then they would get it and then on the next album so the only the, really the only thing that makes this album enjoyable for me um is just the progression of the band and the progression of dime as a guitar player because they all oh, yeah. sound fucking great but songwriting wise, it just feels like they're kind of treading water and they need they need something to like kind of boost them. Um, so, yeah, it just got a real sort of grab bag feel of what of what was going on at the time. And um, <clears throat> it's they they just they just needed to find their own sound. And mm-hmm. um, and 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 they wouldn't necessarily do that with the next album. But I think that there's a definite transition that you hear. Um, so, so I am the night to me is kind of like the end. If you were going to call things glam Terra, I wouldn't include power metal. I wouldn't, mm. I would end it here because this is the last one where they seem just kind of fine with being this middle of the road metal band, you know, playing the favorites. Like, what do you, what do you got? We got one of those. We like, you like this kind of, we got the one of these two. We got yeah. a ballad on here. We got all these things. Um, but once again, they're still really young. This is 1985. So they did an album a year. So at, at this point, Dimebag is probably, or, or, or Diamond, Daryl. Diamond. Um, he w- would have been 18 years old, you know? But yeah. So, you know, there's, it's still, a, it's still a really cool album. The thing that I love the most about all of these albums is just as a fan of Pantera and as a fan of, of, of Dime, because Dime's, to me, one of the greatest guitar players ever, and just oh, yeah. hear, hearing his beginnings um, is just fun because sometimes in the early albums, it'll be guitar playing. You go, well, this guitar playing is good. But if you played it for me and not and I didn't know who it was, I couldn't tell that it was Dimebag. But there are all always those occasional things that happen where you go, oh, I, I hear it. I hear it coming out. And that's always a blast to me to to with these albums. But Fortunately, something had to go last, and so um, I Am The Night, their third album, is is what landed there. Moving on to number nine. I just want want to say real quick, my favorite thing about that album, and I'm going to talk about it quite a a bit later, but um, what I will say is this. My favorite thing about that album is the fact that Vinnie Paul decided to put fucking hex pads on his kit. (laughs) like full-on 80s hexagonal sample pads i fucking love them yeah 
At the moment I it heard does, that, it does sound like yeah, it's very it's very eighties, you know. But it's, yeah. it's also right smack in the middle of the eighties, a, a year that we just talked about. Um, yes, a couple, whenever it was, two weeks ago. Yeah, something like, something that. like that. That was. Oh, that was a, oh, that, that was a yeah, jinx. Kinda. I kind okay. <laughs> um, So yeah, with that, uh, let's. It's funny that I mentioned the debut. Because I'm now going to go way, 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 way on over to Newfound Power by Damage Plan for my number nine. Oh, really? And and my reasons for this are, when I look at the list, I I already have a huge relationship with the Pantera Everybody Knows, so that five album run from 1990 to 2000 i'm also a massive 80s fan and yeah it is down here solely as a victim of the era it came out (laughs) so like okay okay i could i could see that like it is because this was what 2003 2002 uh, four 2004 something like that for 2004 and this to me, is like it has so many like hallmarks of the two thousands that you know over mm-hmm. over time I've actually grown more fond of, but I still don't yeah. love it as much as the eighties and nineties stuff. So I could yeah I could see that. So it let's let's jump on in. Like the way I'm going to describe these mm-hmm. songs though is with high praise because they're all fucking killer. Um, so this was, for people that don't know, this was, you know, Dimebag and Vinnie Paul, um, their new band they started, which I think the, the, the vocalist wasn't a guy that was a vocalist previously. I think he was a guitar player or something. Hmm. Um, I can't even remember his name. Um, but it's a different bass player and vocalist, and they started, you know, Damage yeah. Plan. Um, and unfortunately only did this yeah, one album. Yeah, it was tragically cut and, short by, I mean, everybody watching this knows what happened. Yeah, I mean, they were on tour for this album when when Dimebag was was murdered, and um, so uh, yeah, the, but let's you know, let's talk about cool. the album though. Uh, yeah, so wake up, gnarly ascending thing, and that riff is awesome. Like that, Ernie, Ernie, like mm-hmm. oh, breathing new life is gnarly as fuck. Newfound power, the title track. I mean, Vinny and Dime were an unstoppable duo, man. Like. Those two together, they were the heart of everything that happened in that band. Yeah. Um, pri- and it, it makes me so sad that they're both gone, you know? Like, that. Yeah. that yeah. is a massive void in, you know... They were a bunch of dudes that, that should be celebrating a long legacy, you know? And they're both tragically cut short. Um yeah, Pride is a very 2000s metal track in a good way, but I'm realizing when I hear it how old I am because I can still remember when that kind of hard rock stuff was coming out and was current. And yeah. now I'm in 2022 and I hear stuff that comes out. I'm like, oh, wow, things things really have moved, <laughs> you know? Uh, um, <laughs> uh Fuck you is mental. I love that song. Do you want to know what's funny? I actually I was listening to this this morning, and I pulled it, <laughs> I pulled it into like my workplace car park, 
with the windows down and I forgot what song was on and I'm just blaring fuck you out of the car (laughs) and I close the door who's standing outside like the store manager and it was just it was so funny it was it but because it's a it's a Sunday nobody was there yet really in the car park so it was so it was all good I mean, I turn I turn up to work blasting metal out of the car anyway, but it just I just thought, oh shit, <laughs> the one song <laughs> for my store manager to see. Um, oh man, reborn. The groove here is tasty as all hell. Um, explode. You can tell that they were definitely taking a note from their more modern peers at points on this album. Like there's certain points where I think, mm. oh that could go on like a new metal album or that could definitely be on a lamb of god album there's like little parts where i think oh oh that that they're listening to what's happening you know um yeah yeah save me is another very 2000s metal track you know um mm-hmm. cold-blooded i see my veins fucking love it crawl it's pounding stuff. Reminds me of like Modern Testament at points in that song. Uh, Blink of an Eye is a more melodic kind of thing. Blood force trauma to the head. That song is fucking ah. Oh. I was li- I again. I was listening to it after the shop had closed at work today, and it had been a pretty stressful day. It's a lot of people have converged on our store mm-hmm. for certain events and whatnot, and. It is just, oh, <laughs> yeah, it, it, it can get pretty stressful, especially when there's only two people on the department when really you need a minimum of three. But hey, ho, you know, that's that's what it is. Grocery life. Uh, moment of truth. Slow, dirgy, swinging shit. Love it. You know, and uh, soul bleed is this like somber closer. Very Alice in Chainsy. And like, mm-hmm. really? I really, really, really like this. Have you ever seen that Top Top Gear meme? Actually, where like Jeremy Clarkson is like he's he's talking. I think it's James May, and he's they've got two cars, and it's like I like this, but I love this, oh. <laughs> and it's it yeah. really is a case of that. Um, so yeah, at following this, I mean we're yeah. we're getting into the love zone already, yeah. so. Over to you. Cool, awesome. Um, so yeah, that that's that's not. I'm not going to talk about damage plan right now. Okay. Um, I, I I'm actually just going to go back to one you already talked about. My number nine is Metal Magic yeah. from 1983. Um, and um and and the interesting thing about I think I I don't know if it's all four of the first albums, but I know I'm pretty sure the first three were all produced by Jerry Abbott, which was Diamond Vinny's yeah. dad. Um, which, and he did a pretty damn good job. Like they sound pretty damn good for the time, you know, and for essentially being independent releases. Yeah. Um, but, um, really you kind of, you kind of mentioned a lot of the things about this album that are cool. I mean, um, I I already mentioned that Terry Glaze's vocals on this album aren't really that great. And overall the, the sounds very reminiscent of, of who they were influenced by. So it sounds like Kiss or it sounds like Van Halen or something like that, you know, a little bit derivative. Um, yeah. Wearing their influences on their sleeve, but they were young and that everybody does that in their early bands. 
Um, but they were clearly a young band, like kind of still trying to find their way. And they were, you know, using the sounds of others to experiment with. And you know, they would they would get there. Um, but like I said, this is just a fun album to listen to because they just seem like they probably were having a blast making it. Um, another thing I love about this album is the album cover, um, because it always makes me think of I don't know if this is the same for everybody across the board, but I but it seemed like. In in junior high, middle school, so it would have been, been around like 12, 13, 14, you know, uh, there was always that one kid at your school that could draw really yeah. well. And he always drew pictures that were like, what at the time you thought he was a fucking, he's like, oh my God, he's one of the best artists I've ever seen. But if you go back and look at it, it's like, oh, it's, 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 it's not that great. I mean, he clearly put some effort in there, but it's not that great. I had this kid in school that he would draw Ninja Turtles all the time, but he would draw like the old school comic Ninja yeah. Turtles, and he and he. I remember he drew one for me and gave it to me, and I was just like, I had that thing on my wall for like a year or two. And I was just like, this is so cool. I wish I still had it, but I don't even remember the kid's name. I just remember he always drew. Ninja you want to know what's funny? I could only ever draw one thing, but I could draw him really well, and I would always like dicks. Yeah. <laughs> no, I would always, um, I would always draw Dexter from Dexter's Lab, Dexter's Laboratory. I I loved that mm-hmm. show as a kid, and I drew him on every fucking thing I owned back in school on my rucksack, every book, maybe even defaced some textbooks with them. That was my. The, oh uh, yeah. I'm rock and roll. You're a rebel. Defacing a defenseless textbook. (laughs) (laughs) It's a callback to the Twisted Um, Sister episode, but uh, yeah. I've never been able, I've never been able to draw like my, like my older brother. He's a great artist and an art teacher now, um, but I've never been able to draw. And I remember around that same time, you know, I wanted to draw so badly. I remember like sitting at home one day and and I, I videotaped an episode of The Simpsons. And this is when The Simpsons was just yeah. out, maybe a year old. And at that point, The Simpsons was literally just 30 minutes of Bart going, eat my shorts, yeah. man. Um, and that <laughs> that was the show. <laughs> and so everybody loved Bart Simpson. And I just remember pausing the the, the VHS and trying my best to draw oh, Bart that's Simpson. that's rough on the tape, just though. Getting up, yeah. <laughs> just getting, I was just getting really, really frustrated. And then at the, I, I, I don't, from that moment on, as a young kid, however old I was at that point, probably 12 or 11, <laughs> I was just like, no, no, never drawing again. Screw this. <laughs> and so like, that's just, because because anytime I try to draw anything, I'm like, what is, what is this even? I can't even do a stick figure and have it look interesting. It's just, it's it's all wrong. I don't, I don't know, know if you ever had this. This might have been a consequence of, you know, the, the edgy internet humor of of my generation but did you ever get that like group of kids that were like i'm gonna be really edgy and they knew nothing about like the second world war but they would like draw swastikas on fucking everything just to just to be edgy like i mean i've seen i've seen that i didn't really know any of those kids but i get i get that desire to to be controversial every double decker bus was just covered in them. <laughs> that and burn marks from kids yeah. with lighters trying to set fire to the seats. <laughs> to be to be completely honest, anybody 
that draws a swastika, I would hope that they are just a kid that doesn't know any better. If you're an adult, then you, <laughs> you know you should be struck down immediately. <laughs> the funniest ones are the ones where you can see they went to do a big one and they fucked up and it's just wrong and they like tried to correct it and it's just like two little splints and one's a square. Like <laughs> it's like that's a whole new symbol, dude. He kind of yeah. saved his ass, but um, we all knew his intent. Yeah. <laughs> Young people are yeah. fun, aren't they? Um, I never really did things like that. I never did things that were the the only way that I wanted to push buttons was you know with like, I guess you know once I got to like high school it was like satanic mm. stuff, um, you know because I got into death metal and stuff like that, ooh, and so ooh. I thought that I thought that was kind of cool, um, and but uh, but that you know that was really it. Uh, but go back back to Pantera though. The, yeah, the album cover is. <laughs> It's 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 very charming in a dog shit in a, way. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. like it. It's just so it's so it's just so fun. Anyway, all right. So yes, Metal Magic. It's great to to you know listen to the beginnings of Pantera, um, but it's fairly generic. Um, also, I think something I thought was interesting that I I didn't know, and I, unfortunately, there's not a whole lot of information about this. But on Metal Magic, Terry Glaze is credited as singer and rhythm guitar player and and songwriter. Apparently he he wrote songs as well. But I was all like but then it's just on Metal Magic. The other ones he's just vocalist or or keyboards or whatever. So I'm wondering like did he were they were they like a two guitar band in Metal Magic cuz I I don't know if I've ever seen any footage of them from 1983. Um but uh it's interesting. Mm, that might have still been like the Kiss influence a little bit maybe. Could yeah, could could be, and it could and it could be the reason why his vocals improve on the next one because maybe like once he drops the guitar and he's really like giving it his all as a vocalist, then all of a sudden you know he finds his voice. I guess I don't know. Anyway, Metal Magic is fun, but it's not you know. Yeah, I, I know it's I know it's it's a little bit it's a little bit um ex- uh, expected to put you know the early Pantera stuff at the bottom, but. When I took a step back and really looked at everything, I go, well, they, I mean, they, they became an iconic fucking band and these unfortunately are not iconic Hmm. albums. So, so they end up going low. Cool. I, I've actually ended up trying to treat them how, uh, I kind of treated the seventies versus eighties kiss records where I kind of give a fair Mm -hmm. shot to each album as we go up. But, uh, yeah, with that. I'm going to dive into my number eight, which is yeah. reinventing the steel. And nice. This is, I, the, I, I was really hoping that we would mix things up a little bit here. So this it's is cool. The, you know, it's the, the fifth, I, I say fifth chapter in the, uh, Phil Anselmo saga, even though it's technically the sixth, but you know, it's power metals this weird transitional thing um so with yeah. with that i feel about this album how i feel about um album of the year by faith no more it's mm-hmm. it's not bad by any means but it's the first time you can tell certain members are a little checked out enthusiasm wise like there's 
there's a vibe there that there's some splintering going on. When you say certain members, who, who are you referring we're, we're to there? <laughs> Phil and the rest of the band. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, I mean, I suppose Rex was kind of neutral, right? He was the one neutral guy, but it was I think it was mainly between the Abbott, Abbott boys and, and Phil. But... Yeah, I feel, I feel like Rex, he seems like a dude that's just happy to be mm. there. He's like, you know, he's, he's, a, he's a great bass player, can you know, hold down that rhythm section, he's there. <laughs> he's a very reliable... Bass player, but I don't think he he doesn't seem like a dude that ever kind of wanted to rock the boat. Yeah, he's just like all right, I'm just here to rock. But the he, roll, I, I would imagine yeah. he probably thought to himself, "Hey, this band is pretty low end heavy. Without me, they'd have jack shit." Like the so he's probably like, "They can't get mad at me." <laughs> it's the it's the fucking nineties, <laughs> dude. <laughs> yeah. Um. But but yeah. So reinventing the steel right at the, right out of the gate, you get Hellbound, which is this furious straight to the point opener and it just blows your face off it mm. feels a little underdeveloped songwriting wise but i feel as though in a way it doesn't need to be overly complex because it's just this like fucking pound you into submission you're gonna listen to the rest of this album in a minute after i'm done kicking the shit out of you and then yeah. immediately after you get goddamn electric and that song rules, the, especially that chorus. Um, Yesterday don't mean shit, cause tomorrow's a day. Oh shit, man! You have to that face. is. See, see, I see. I agree that like that reinventing the steel overall is like not. It doesn't stand up to a lot of the other albums, but that particular song, Yesterday yeah. Don't Mean Shit, that is a jam. That gets my blood going every yeah. time, man. Great song. I will say that does hype you up. That is a. See, that's the thing. Even on one of their like lesser albums, the first it's like a one, two, three punch. Um, yeah. You've got to, you've got to belong to it. Love the big reverb on Phil in this track, and you know the wacky riffs from Dime. Uh, yeah, that's the, that's the thing. Is that the I always I, I I like you know the kind of riffs that Dime wrote that were just like you know not using any fancy yeah. pedals, but I loved it when he would bust out the, I guess, what is it called? A, is it a, a an yeah, octave pedal or whatever? Digitech whammy pedal. Um, <laughs> yeah, and so because he, <laughs> he did, so there's, so there's, there are several riffs he does where he uses that and I'm just like, it just yeah. sounds cool. I mean, you, I mean, could, maybe some people could look at it as gimmicky, <sighs> but I'm just like, uh, it sounds cool. So, but I'm also the dude that likes it when people, when people make yeah. noises with guitars and not actual riffs i'm all like it's it's funny like actually before we started recording this um i had the wrong logic project open and i had my microphone going into a you know guitar amp setting and it started feeding back mm. and i started whistling and i could literally do the sort of like dive bombs that dime did by just whistling it in the way yeah sort of shit like holy fuck and it, i i might try and please tell me you're gonna do that do do a whistle solo yeah. on one of your songs <laughs> oh man i've got to now uh, we've we've come up with it oh shit dude yep but revolution is my name dude oh what a song yeah like i i remember the first time i heard 
that riff when it kicks in. Like all of the stuff yeah. in that is just tasteful, you know? Um, mm-hmm. I remember. Oh, and every time I hear a new Pantera riff that I may have neglected, I'm like, how many of these fucking things have they got? <laughs> you know? It's like a bag. It's, yeah. it's almost like he's got Mary Poppins' bag and he's just pulling fucking riffs out of there just endlessly. Um, Death Rattle, this song, I've I've already brought it up. It's used in a SpongeBob yeah. episode that already gains it major points. Uh, we'll grind that axe for a long time. Brutal descending guitars. Uplift. That breakdown about two and a half minutes in is juicy as fuck. Makes them disappear. It's mm-hmm. a cool track. And I'll cast a shadow as a cool closer. I mean, this album is like could be any other band's best. But this is yeah. pan fucking terror. So with that, yeah. it's my number eight. Had to go somewhere. Cool. Yeah. Uh, my number eight to continue um, my ranking of their older stuff. Um, uh, my number eight is Projects in the Jungle from 1984. Um, so clearly this is to me the best Terry Glaze Pantera album, their second album. Um, even though it is easily them trying to make their own version of High and Dry by <laughs> Um, because it's even the vocals sound like, it, like Joe, and then the, the songs all sound like they're versions of Def Leppard songs. <laughs> um but it's a huge improvement overall. Like Terry's voice sounds great. The the band sound great. The production's cool. I mean, it's it's very 80s, but I like just like you, I enjoy that. Um and um it, there's just a really good energy to this album where like if I if I if I want to hear early Pantera, usually this is the album I'm gonna go for because it's 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 it is it is very you know 80s sounding, but for some reason I just like the fact that the, this album feels like they it's an overall statement of what they wanted to do instead of this is a little bit of Judas Priest. This is a little yeah. bit of rat or whatever. This is, this is very, very focused. And, um, there, and there's, there are some heavier riffs that start yeah. coming in with this. So you get a little bit of that, of a taste of, you know, and the, the progression in their, in their early stuff is real. It's very minimal. You know, if, if you're if you're really listening for it, you'll go, ah, okay. I, I you know, I see. Um, but uh it's it's also got some pretty generic things going on here and there. Um, so it 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 is one of those things, like I said, where we're comparing it to the, what they would end up doing in this, like as much as I enjoy this, there's no way for me to look at it and go, all right, well, I'm gonna rank this higher because I'm just like, oh, because I am, you know, I, I usually am the one that wants to prop up the underdog or an album that everybody hates or a period of a band that everybody hates. I'm usually the first one to be like, hold on a second. Is it really that bad? <laughs> um, and it's true. These aren't really that bad because I think for most people, they're probably doing Pantera ranking and they just throw these albums under the bus and go, well, fuck that stupid glam terror shit. Let's talk about Cowboys from hell. Um, but that's not us um, because I do like all of this stuff. Um, and uh Yeah. Even though Projects in the Jungle is a is a, an improvement over their debut, um, it's still miles and miles and miles away from where they would end up, and so uh, it ends up going as my uh, number number eight. So I'm moving on to your number seven. Cool. I and I know full well this is probably going to be the most controversial placing 
of anything on my entire list, but I stayed true to how I felt about their discography over the last at least 10 years. And mm-hmm. it just played out, out of, you know, preference. I had it, as much as it hurts me to put it here, I had to put far beyond driven dude. And I, wow. I have my reasons because I don't, I mean, I mean, it's all, at the end of the day, it's all just opinions and there's no right or wrong answer. This is one of my favorite albums of all time that you're talking about now, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> here's, here's the thing again. I love nearly every one of these albums here, but there's a, there's a thing about this album where I have to be in a certain mood for it because mm-hmm. it really is. There are a lot of weird experimental things on here, which are super cool, but I kind of come to Pantera to just be like rift, you know, rift to death, you know, whereas yeah, on the, yeah. on this one, the riffs that are there are heavy, but there's a lot of like weird passages and stuff. And it, it's, it's cool. But I find that a lot of their other records have more memorable stuff on it. Um, yeah. Strength Beyond Strength is, you know, the logical next step from, you know, fucking hostile. Because, like, it's absolute insanity. The guitar tone is incredibly, like, nutso mode harsh. Uh, blew my face yeah. off when I first heard it. That when I first heard it, that song, this, this album has a lot of like personal memories too, which I'll get to whenever I talk about it. But um, um, when I first heard strength beyond strength, I loved it because for a long time I had, um, I had a uh, vulgar display of power t-shirt and on the back of the t-shirt, it said stronger than all. So it wasn't a song yet. I have that exact shirt. Yeah. But it said that I'm the back of the t-shirt. And I just remember, I I have my memories of that t-shirt were like, it pissed off like the normal kids at my school. Yeah. Because I, the number of times I would walk past somebody and I'd hear them say to somebody else, I could kick that guy's ass. Yeah. He's not stronger than all. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, you fucking morons. Um, and yes, they could kick my ass. All, every last one of them could have. But um, I just remember then hearing that line in the song and I was always like, oh, there it is. There it is. <laughs> like it's, um, Anyway, but I'll get more into that when I talk about Far Beyond Driven because it is one of my favorites. Um, and it's out of all the Pantera albums, it's the most like I have the most personal connection to that one. Yeah. And it's also the heaviest album ever to hit number one on the Billboard 200. Absolutely. Went with nothing. Not, and that's when that's around they started they started to, to do sound scan over here where they were actually counting the the barcodes being rung up for the sales. Yeah. Whereas before stores and record companies could fudge the numbers and make things look number one when they really weren't. Yeah. But, um, and if I remember right, the very first album to ever go number one for sound scan was uh slave to the grind by skid row. Yeah. Like that was the very first album where they actually were counting record sales and skid row was number one, which so, is you know, nuts. that was a, that's a great, that's a great time for music when albums like slave to the grind and far beyond driven, uh, are the number one albums in the country? Yeah, um, th- this this country used to be pretty cool. You know, I can't say much for it now, but still, <laughs> <laughs> like I I know we're like camping out on like track one here, but that yeah, like it has that kind of 
doing new metal before it was cool sort of thing you know i mean Pan- pantera are um are a big influence on so much shit that happened after i think i would say after vulgar display like well after vulgar display came out that album is in what they did was so influential on shitloads of bands yeah. ranging in their styles of metal and to be fair half of it's complete shit <laughs> <laughs> but there's some good stuff that was also influenced by uh by pantera and i think that new metal there's a little bit of that a little bit of pantera in there hell yeah uh so with that let's go over that, yeah i mean back at it again with the digitech whammy pedal like i this is an excellent usage of it man like what a creative yeah. fucking thing to do Especially with that, like, um, kick pattern, like, like, first time I heard it, it fucking, I remember having, like, a sensory overload a little bit. I was like, what the fuck? Humans are playing this shit? Um, and, like, I know it's typical to heap lots of praise on, um, Dime, but Vinny was a badass drummer. And he wasn't. Oh, yeah. He wasn't like flashy. He was no. he was really good at playing morbidly obese grooves. Like, <laughs> like that's a good way to put it. Like, holy God fucking damn. Like when those when they all came the together. Fattest of beats. Yeah. I I still think like the coolest snare sound I've ever heard is that like um fucking live show they played where the reverb on it goes for like two two straight fucking minutes shakes the whole fucking stadium um yeah, yeah. <sighs> and then you get five minutes alone which crushes like that gu- yeah. and the guitar solo is so simple but effective and the the breakdown there's before that oh, yeah. breakdown yeah. and there's after yeah. that breakdown, frankly. Mm-hmm. Kind of took my groove virginity with that one because I remember thinking, Yeah, oh. that was a that was a big a big deal for me when this album came out. That breakdown, Dirt. I was just like, Oh shit. Which I know I know everybody everybody loves to talk about the domination breakdown, but I don't know. I mean, that's a good one, but yeah, that's this is a this is killer. And then here we go. here's a Here's my first exposure to anything off of this album, though, uh, mm. with I'm Broken. And I first heard this. One of my favorite songs ever. I love this song. So good. There's real weird proggy turnarounds in there, but it's all so catchy. Um, especially that. Yeah. Like, I first heard this on Guitar Hero Warriors of Rock, and I probably played this more than any other song in that game. It's also 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 one of my favorite music videos. Yeah, even though it's just very the idea is very simple. It's they're all in a room together with a light bulb mm. hanging down over them, and but just the vibe of that video, like that's that's the thing is that you know around this time in you know on in MTV and stuff like that music videos had gotten way overblown yeah. with like, you know, Guns N' Roses and other people doing mini movies. And, you know, and I like those music videos, but I was always a dude that's like, look, just give me at least one video where it's just the dudes in a room. Yeah. Like that's, 
that's all I really want because a lot, especially back then, because you were all like, oh, what do these dudes look like when they're playing? Because there wasn't YouTube. Yeah. You know, and 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 you couldn't just readily find a live performance most of the time. And so it's like, I, I love seeing that. Like, sure, give me a concept video for some other song, but just I, I want to see the dudes doing what they do. And that and I think I'm broken is one of the best examples of that in a video. Just pure dudes in a room. <laughs> <laughs> Just oh, a man. classic case of dudes in the room. <laughs> it's a killer song, man. Uh, and then he- yeah. here's the thing, right? This is where they've like kind of put, th- they've gone through all of like the, here's the first four songs, the most accessible stuff. We're going to yeah. get high as fuck from here on out. <laughs> like, <laughs> and it's like good friends and a bottle of pills. Like the fact a song like this managed to sneak its way to the number one spot of the Billboard 200 album charts brings oh. me immense joy. Yeah. I fucked your girlfriend last night. She called me daddy. I called her baby and I smacked her ass. <laughs> it's like <laughs> that's that's pretty that's pretty like, good. <laughs> Fucking hell, man! That's gonna get that's gonna take get taken out of context, and someone <laughs> somewhere is gonna share it and be like, "Look at this creepy weirdo on this podcast." Yeah, you can. Shit. You can do. I think you can take clips of things from YouTube. Do that. Throw it on TikTok. Let's get it going all over the world. Uh, <laughs> the real Eddie Sparks. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. With that, <laughs> hardline sunken cheeks. Big old vibey groove metal track. Yeah. Slaughtered is so catchy. Uh, so Slaughtered is, if you're talking about moments that I get mad at how fucking good it is, the middle the middle riff of that song, that riff, if like if I was, it's, it's, it, it literally makes me just want to quit my job and just like, you know, move into a cave. Yeah. Because it was like, what's the fucking point of trying to do anything when that <laughs> dude is just like, I got this riff and that's the fucking riff. It's just, uh, the whole song is fucking great, but that, yeah, that gives me chills how fucking cool that riff is. It They're also like one of those bands where like, you've got bands that are like, you're into a way you're into how they sound right but they might not be yeah. a, they might they might not be a songs band they're more of a vibe band and they'll just have like 10 songs some are killer some are filler pantera were like incredibly strong songwriters like they knew how to make catchy memorable things um but you know what now that you mentioned that maybe we should maybe we should talk about this real quick we'll, we'll probably talk about it on the next episode too but is it baffling to you at all if if you listen to the album Power Metal and then you listen to Cowboys from Hell? That is a monumental leap in songwriting in just two years. It's fucking so, nuts. Yeah. Like don't don't even like don't even talk about this the the shift in style. That's whatever. Um, we can talk, we'll talk about that too. But just going from songwriting that's very just like, okay, these are fine. They they're they're cool songs for whatever this is to literally like Changing some of the, the most iconic metal. Yeah. So I, I, I and I've never really heard uh, an interview, you know, cause it, I'm, I'm most, I'm mostly interested in Dimebag's perspective. And if there is an interview that's out there that exists, somebody, you know, point it, point me the way. Um, but I've never heard like what happened 
like what is it literally just they woke up one day and then he had these ideas and then it went there like you you know if if they were influenced by by other bands that's fine but you can be influenced by a sound and not go on to write fucking fantastic songs Mm. so i've always just been curious about like what what the fuck happened like what was the change what was the because it's it's night and day like it's you know the the big reads the big reason why i give people a pass for writing off early stuff is because of the huge fucking grand canyon that exists in the quality between the first four albums and cowboys from hell so it just always blows me away maybe they got to that point maybe phil just knew a guy that was just a really high quality drug dealer (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. oh, maybe maybe, like, they, maybe they all did they all did peyote and they went on a spirit walk yeah. <laughs> and then they they came, they came back and all of a sudden they knew the way yeah and so it's like you know speaking of, speaking of uh i always just make sure to think of young guns which is one of my favorite movies <laughs> but they did that's a great let's talk about young guns for a second <laughs> nothing, <laughs> nothing to do with Pantera. have you ever seen young guns is that one that's on your radar it all? is a movie don't, don't bother me. it's it's do a it just do it. it it's it's a, it's a movie i've had queued up to watch for quite some time move it to the, and i have, move it to the top of the queue because it's literally it's like you take an 80s movie in it but it's a western even the music is is like 80s movie music yeah where it's like it's supposed to be like the wild west but it's still got a guitar with it so it's like wah, 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 <laughs> you know with the with the western style music yeah um but there's a great scene where they all do uh like peyote or something like that um and then all of a sudden you know things get weird <laughs> I'll, leave, I'll leave it there because because you got to watch that anyway, no yes. spoilers dude <laughs> but yeah. yeah i mean it's a there, it's a there, it's a it's a it's a western actually you know what when you i, I could spoil things about it because it it is a movie that like it unfolds in a way that you're just kind of like this is pretty it, it's it's pretty cool it's a pretty cool movie i'm sorry nice I'll, I'm, i derailed us to talk about it's okay. Young Guns, because I love it. I I'll, love it. I'll get around to that ASAP. But uh, right now, where are we at? We we got uh, 25 years. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. like every single minute of this is nasty in the best possible yeah. way. Um, shedding Skin, the riff in this is also insanely <laughs> catchy. Use my third arm. That riff in the middle... Oh my god. Like the the one that yeah. was is also in the song Piss, which is a fun song. Um just that Throws of Rejection has what I would call one of Vinnie Paul's cheekiest fills of all time with that oh yeah like those so my diners. my only problem with throws of rejection um is that over the years especially in recent years listening to that song it really sounds like a an incel it, anthem yeah <laughs> like yeah. like there's nothing worse than a guy who's not getting laid and is really mad about it and i'm like Ooh, all right phil <laughs> and like that that's the thing as well it, let's be real here Phil, especially back then, he's a good-looking dude. Like, you're into that, I guess. Yeah, yeah. 
I mean, if you I, like, if you like, if you like dudes with like that don't have long hair, like why would you? Why would you want a dude that doesn't have long hair? Come on, that, people. That's, I mean, ladies. That's that's why he grew it back because during this time he was getting rejected because that's what it. Uh, oh yeah, that's why he grew his hair he, back. Even in, even in this even in the song, he makes a reference to him having a bald head. Hmm. So I'm like, oh, he knew. He knew that he's like, oh man. Girls love me when I had like the weird mohawk thing that was like yeah. shaggy everywhere. <laughs> I wanted that hair so badly. Like I wanted, I still do want to just cut like a, a mohawk, but then not stick it up. Just have it to where it kind of hangs down and it's just all kind of shaved underneath. Hmm. Cause I, I saw like the live footage um, from the Cowboys from hell, you know, era um, when I was a kid and I just saw his hair and I was like, Oh, that's so awesome. I want my hair to look like that. I tell you what, I was never, if 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 I ever had it like curly hair, if I was blessed with like Jason Newstead like curly hair, I would also mm-hmm. do the shaved sides thing. I would, but yeah. like just the sides, so I could do like the Jason Newstead windmill. I, I did the shaved sides when when I was a kid, but it didn't. It wasn't like up high. It was just like on the sides. Like I guess it like like Jason had it. I didn't go yeah. far enough up to where it be considered a mohawk. But also, I had a lot of questionable hairstyles when I was young. Because <laughs> when I when I was when I was a kind of a tween i guess you know you know 11 12 13 around that time um i had a mullet oh i was gonna ask Um, you did you ever sport a mullet dude but it wasn't but it wasn't a good mullet because i was a kid and i didn't want to do anything with my hair my hair has always been this just falls flat so literally it was like a boy haircut just like regular short parted down the middle until here and then in the back it just went long (laughs) there was no there was no sticking it up or doing anything with it. It was just the saddest mullet <laughs> that you've ever fucking seen. And and honestly, I know my parents have some pictures of me with that mullet, but I don't have any. But maybe maybe I got to go over and, and raid their pictures and be like, <laughs> I'm going to get some of those and show them to everybody. But anyway, but then I got to the point where I decided that I wanted to grow my hair out all one length long, but I I didn't want to have the mullet anymore. But my hair had not on this part had not grown long enough yet. It had grown to about right here. So I literally cut it all to where I was like Dorothy Hamill. Oh. Or it was like a, it was a bob, literally like a bob, you had a bob. that I had. Yeah. And go, going into go, I think that was going into freshman year of high school where I had like hair like that. And it wasn't, it didn't look good at all, but luckily eventually it, it all grew out. And then through the rest of high school, I had like this, you know, and I didn't have a beard, but I had like, you know, long hair like this but that's the cool thing about hair is it grows <laughs> for some people there are some people that are not not so lucky yeah. and um you know but uh well how do we get on here oh phil's hair because phil was was a good looking dude but um yes throws of rejection um is a little bit cringy at times for me but you know it's still you know if you ignore i'm gonna have to go on record and say that there's a lot of of pantera especially the, the their latter couple of albums that if I tune out Phil, the songs are fucking great. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a lot of Phil that I go, ah, all right, man, but we'll get to that. It's filler. <laughs> oh! <laughs> Good night, everybody. Woo! I'm here all week. Uh, <laughs> oh, and then finally you get uh, Planet Caravan. Um, I, I love this cover and it's a nice cool yeah. down from this album. The, yeah, and and let's be real. If if any Pantera album needs a like cool down, it's this one. Like, cause, <laughs> yeah, because this is like a volatile album. Like, it has an anger management problem because it'll have like moments of 
Solace, like still heavy, but like, okay, the edibles are hitting now. And then all of a sudden someone just like pulls out an Uzi and just starts firing that shit in the air. And you're just like, whoa, what the fuck, dude? Put it away. Put it down. Why are you in my yeah. house? Um, so and, 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 it, and and it's, I, you, you got to point out that the album title is cool as fuck. Far Beyond, Beyond Driven. Driven. Yeah. Like that is, that is the kind of album title that like you want to hear. Like when a band you love is about to bring out an album and they have a, a title that's, that's that badass, <laughs> like Far Beyond Driven. Oh, shit. Get, get ready. You're, you're in for some shit here. Hell, and we were the yeah cool so that is my penultimate pick for this episode over to you cool cool my my number seven um wrapping it up the early days of pantera a power metal from 1988 the first album with phil and selmo and vocals um now it does get heavier here but it's still firmly rooted in the 80s there's a lot of 80s ish stuff on this um, but it is clear that like Phil breathes some new life into the band. Um, yeah. But it is a very transitional album. So you do hear things on this album where you go, oh, I kind of hear hints of where they're going. But like I said, it's not, you would have to, the only way you would ever know that is knowing all the rest of the Pantera stuff. Like you, then you can go back and listen to Power Metal and go, all right, I hear a little bit of it. But like I said, the difference in quality is fucking insane between this album and Cowboys from Hell. Yeah. Yeah, it's seeing as it's my number six, we can camp out in this like oh, zone okay. for a little while. Sure. So, so um, I I, I think that the, unfortunately this album suffers from um what a couple of their other earlier ones do, which is if, to me it's a little bit too all over the place. Yeah, um, stylistically, even with even with the yeah, stylistically and Phil's singing. Like it's almost like he he's he thinks he still needs to do the high pitch stuff all the time, but hasn't yet figured out a way to sort of make it transition with his other vocals. Because in Cowboys, it seems like seamless the different things that he does, but in Power Metal, it's still a little like you know, I don't know, arbitrarily picking which way to do a particular line. You know, with this album, I and and i've actually got this as my first note for rock the world um this judas priest album is fucking heavy man because <laughs> like yeah like because he you can tell right out of the gate who his biggest like singing influence is and that's rob halford like yeah he's it does sound like a dude doing a rob halford impression on cowboys when he does like the huh stuff yeah. like he's doing that in his own way whereas yeah, on yeah. this album when he does it he's doing it he's trying to emulate a rob halford sort of thing so he's still yeah. kind of like finding himself um but yeah then you get you know the title track holy shit like it power metal is fun just badass speed metal We'll meet again. Super eighties riffage in there. I really like that one. That one's it's very eighties sounding, but I don't know why that's a song that I've always really liked. It's got a, it's a, it's not it's not heavy, but you know, it's got a really tasteful solo as well. Like yeah, that just so shows how much feel Dime plays with. You know, um, over and out. Fuck me, this is so killer. I feel like I actually wrote this as I was listening to it. I feel like such an ass having neglected these albums for so long. Like, this is... Mm -hmm. 
also the first moment in any Pantera song that has a full-blown thrash section. Like, they'd done the sort of halfway glam speed thing. But this track is yeah. brutal. Like, and then immediately after, you have shameless 80s pomp metal with Proud to be Loud, which kicks ass, dude. Which which wasn't written by them. Like, that's, I believe that's Ron Keel or something like that. Wow. Um you, it shows. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I might be wrong about who exactly wrote it, but I think it was intended to be a a keel, a keel song. Um, but I don't know how they got it. But I mean, it's it it sticks out to me like a sore thumb on this album a little bit. So you know, is what it is. But like it down below kicks ass. Death trap got to fuck you out of me. Which down below is a re-recording. They it was on it's on I am the night I believe and then they re-recorded it on power metal. Yeah. Death Trap is cool. Hard Ride is an ultra 80s song. Fuck yeah. Mm -hmm. I it, most of the rest of this album like it, it was just fuck yeah, killer, nice. But like Burn yeah. is killer. Like but here's the thing, the the closing track, uh Pussy Tight Tonight <laughs> or P star S star T star eight eight. But what is the blueprint for Steel Panther's whole career? <laughs> but what is but what does that stand for? P S T because they don't say pussy t like uh, pussy tight. <laughs> I guess so. I, all I know is that that is like like the first time I heard that song, I was like, did did a different album just start? <laughs> like, what am I? What am I listening to? And it's uh, and you know what? That's the '80s, folks. You, yeah. You, you, you well, I guess Steel Panther would still do it, but you know, um, um, normal ass bands would be like, you know what? We're gonna have a song all about tight pussy this time. I mean, like album. a sizable chunk of '80s rock is about it. It's just a bit more subtle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's um, no one like you. Pussy's tight. <laughs> tonight yeah um but uh and that's and and on psc that's uh that's dime bag or diamond on the vocals yeah the vocals on that i believe um, it's good but fun. uh i really think that power metal is an album though it, i feel like if it was by a different band it would be a little bit more embraced by metal fans i think yeah because because, because metal fans do like the stuff that they were doing on power metal, like metal heads are, are into that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, but I think because it's, it's Pantera, people will look at it and go, Oh, it's stupid. Look at how stupid they look on the cover yeah. or whatever. And you, you want to know what's funny that like, I, I have a zoomed in like photo or, or uh, of them on the power metal album cover as my wallpaper on my computer right now. Nice. <laughs> it's, it's a great picture of them. I and I and honestly, this album. Um, so like I said, you know, they were promoting their albums as Cowboys from Hell was the first one mm -hmm. and Vulgar Display was the second one. And I remember I went with my friends to a record convention when I was in high school. And I don't know if Far Beyond Driven had come out yet, but it it may have it may have been about to. But I just remember going to this record convention and then looking at this one guy's booth. And power metal is sitting back there, and I'm like, "What is that?" And this dude's all like, "Oh, that's that's the first Pantera album with Phil and someone." And I'm like, "What? No, no, Cowboys from Hell? What?" 
I was totally blown away. And, and I was, you know, and there was a part of me that goes, I'd like to hear that. And he's like, well, do you got $500? I'm like, <laughs> even back then, even back then they were, it was really expensive. Yeah. Um, and so later on, I finally got to hear it and realizing that it was also three previous albums. And it was like, my mind was blown. Cause I was just like, why would they, well, I don't understand. Even back then I was like, why would you just decide that to not talk about music that you made? Yeah. I mean, it's not like you were making it's not like it was Nazi propaganda or some yeah. shit. It was just, but people treat it that way. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. Well, you know, you know, you, you know, you got your, you got the metal police, you know, going around. Yeah. Yeah. About, about as, about as, uh, about as useful as the regular police. Um, <laughs> fuck the metal Social police. Commentary. Right commentary. <laughs> um, so yeah, a power metal was my what, what number? I was my number seven, but it was your number six. Yes. So wrapping up to wrap up this part one of Pantera, um, my number six is an album that you already talked about as well. Um, uh, obviously, because we're out of the early days, one of the other Pantera albums has to make it as the top of the bottom, and for me that was Reinventing the Steel from. Uh, the year 2000 and four um no 2000 reinventing this oh sorry no i was thinking of damage plan sorry i i had a i had you a, thought you thought damage plan was going to be on this episode but no it's in the next episode no i got i got zoned out there for a sec i've had a hard day <laughs> that's all right that's all right we're, we're we're nearing the end here so we're you know we we, we get we, we we talk a lot it's a lot of talking like in an hour and a half of talking who wants to do that um anyway <laughs> Reinventing the Steel, um, a solid album with some amazing songs and some okay songs. Um, the the honestly, at this point in the band, Phil is a weak link to me. Um, mm. His vocals are real generic, angry, screamy guy stuff, and then that sort of halfway bluesy thing that he tried to do but even then the vocal lines are not that memorable and yeah. a lot of the times the choruses are just him saying the title of the song over and over again hmm. and it's it, at this point it's gotten really old like his the phil isms or whatever of his all you know like i'm gonna talk this part <laughs> like it gets it gets to the point where i go okay because it because it it it, it eventually becomes <laughs> Pantera song this bingo. Thing. You know, you're just like taking uh, off all of the things. But it becomes this thing that I, I this is the this is these are the kind of things that I say that like that piss off some people and, and it's fine. I don't care. Um it's not just Phil and Selmo, it's like, you know, because Phil and Selmo obviously in what he was doing, he ends up getting um influenced by like hardcore vocalists and stuff like that. But Eventually, it leads to this thing where there's so much music, so much modern metal and hardcore and all these other things that the vocalists just become, I'm, I'm, I'm just a angry white guy yelling about some general thing that doesn't really matter. Hmm. It, it just, it becomes like yelling and being angry just for the sake of yelling and being angry when you listen to the songs and you're like, this is it, it's you're, you're a fucking suburban you know, people and you're, you're, you're mad about what? Like, that's the thing is like, it gets to the point where when Phil's writing songs about how he doesn't like how music is going. And I'm just like, 
Dude, c- give me a fucking break, dude. Like that's The convenience not- store down the street discontinued <laughs> my favorite flavor of monster energy drink. <laughs> Something like that. I, that was really precise, but yeah. I liked it. I get that's exactly what I'm talking about. So at least so at this point with reinventing the steel, it is a whole lot of like, what are you yelling about now? Um, because before I liked the fact that he did some singing and some yelling and it, but he would write his phrasings of things were really interesting and cool and memorable and hooky yeah. all the way through. Um, even, even on uh great Southern trends kill, although half of that album vocally is awful. And I think that <laughs> um, reinventing the steel is the same thing where it's, it's almost like reinventing the steel is I am the night where they got to the point where it's like, you guys are going to need another singer. Yeah. And then they, and then they got another singer and they just changed the name to damage plan. Um, which we'll talk about that guy in the next episode because I don't think he was it, um, he wasn't a, a a great vocalist, but he's you know he was he was something different. But so I, I've had to come to terms with that over the years. As much as I love um, you know all of their stuff, including reinventing the steel, I've always said, well, what is it about it that's keeping me from like totally loving it as much as Vulgar or Far Beyond or Cowboys? And it's it always falls on Phil. It always falls on Phil's vocals and Phil's lyrics. Mm. Um, so it's it, it sucks that that's got to be the thing, but it's 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 the thing that makes these albums um, not as good. Because really, like I love all of these Pantera albums, but you draw a line, you know, around Great Southern Trend Kill. But things, all the previous three albums before that, like are three of the best albums of all time, mm. in my opinion. So, um, so it's, it's hard, like, you know, putting those things together, but, um, I really don't think that they could have continued and put out really quality stuff that, that would stand up to what they did before. If Phil had remained as the singer, um, that's, I'm sure that's, I, I don't, I don't think I've ever heard anybody really get on, on Phil as a vocalist, but maybe they do. Um, it, it seems like they're usually just trying to poke at him being a racist or whatever. Um, which, you know, that doesn't help anything. I mean, I, I don't know if he's an actual racist because I don't know him. Um, but he has done things obviously that, you know, you look at and you go, Oh, that, that was, I, maybe, maybe you should, you know, stop drinking or smoking or whatever it is. It's making you, if, cause if you're truly not a racist, whatever it is you were doing that led you to do that, then, you know, stop it now. So there was, there was the whole, um, you know, white power incident at dime bash about four, like six years ago or something and like yeah i don't yeah. i don't believe he's like a full-blown like i don't th- i don't think he believed what he said i just think he might well have been drunk and did something fucking stupid do you, do you think it's the equivalent of the young kids drawing swastikas on the wall? I like you just abs- trying to be edgy? I absolutely do. I think it, it is a case of I'm going to do something edgy. People are going to remember it. He might, you know, he might not have meant what he said, but it did cause a controversy. Yeah. I mean, yeah. if it is, if it, if it, if it is a thing where he just jokingly does white power stuff and if you're not in his close circle of friends, you prob you won't that you don't know that. Mm-hmm. And especially in this day yeah. and age, like everybody's got a camera. So all of a sudden, this thing that might be some sort of real cringy inside joke, and you know it's cringy. Yeah. The rest of the fucking world doesn't know that. 
Um, but I mean, but it's not, it wasn't the first thing. Like you, you see footage of Phil on tour with Pantera where he's like, I'm sick of this. It's a black thing stuff. Like he literally <laughs> like, I mean, so he's, he's been a questionable individual for years, but um, um, he hasn't gone so far as to where I'm just like, well, fuck him and everything he's done. Hmm. Um, but you know, I don't think he's truly, there's never been a, um, an actual conversation with him where he actually said anything of value about any of that stuff. Mm. Um, it's always sort of just like pussyfooting around um, the actual thing, but it's, yeah. it is what it is. I think that you're probably on the right track where for the most part, I think it's just, maybe he thought it was a, it was a goofy thing to be so over the top with it, something. Yeah. It's kind of like, it's kind of like saying a South Park joke out of context to someone who doesn't watch it. And they're like, what the fuck is wrong with you? And it's like, it's from yeah. the show. <laughs> it's like, yeah. But you yeah. know, it, the, the, the thing that the one thing that I have to say is that um, I'm never going to write somebody off like that. And so if it yeah. is the case where, you know, he's not learned, he's learned his lesson and maybe he's grown as a person. I'm going to allow somebody to grow as a person. Yeah. Of um, course. There are, there are plenty of people that have done things in their past that I look at and go, oh, fuck no, man. Um, but if you look at who they've been, you know, for a, a large part of their later life or whatever, um, I'm all about forgiveness and redemption or whatever. Yeah, because um, otherwise, so, you know, people would people wouldn't change. That wouldn't allow for people to change. You would just have you would just have people yeah. you would have people who did nothing wrong and people who will forever remain shit you know other otherwise you know yeah that's i think that's a big reason why a lot of people get really ticked off about cancel culture because people yeah. will go back and dig up a joke that somebody said 10 years ago and even the even the yeah. comedian will probably look at that and go yeah that joke was shit but they shouldn't be having to pay for it 10 years later nah. like you know <laughs> it's fucking stupid anyway there are some things that people should be paying for kevin spacey being one of them but there's you know or, yeah. or bill cosby but it, Making a making a a, a a joke that maybe hurts some people's feelings, sure, you can look at it and go, well, that was unfortunate and that sucks. But yeah. you know. Anyway, long story short, Phil becomes angry white guy just yelling at whatever. And um, <laughs> I don't like that kind of vocals at all. But in, in metal nowadays, metal is 80% that. Where it doesn't matter how cool the fucking riff is, it's just some dude come in going, rah, rah, rah! And I'm like, well, what, what is this song about? Oh, it's about he he doesn't have the right jeans. Hot topic closed. He had to wear khakis. I'm just saying, it's like, it's just never, it's never anything. It's never clever or mm. interesting or or uh, memorable. It's always just, just, just another fucking dude yelling. Um, so that brings reinventing the steel down for me. But there are moments like yesterday don't mean shit and stuff like that where I go, I'm on board with this. I like it. I like the way it, I like the whole presentation of it, but I'd say half the album or maybe even more of that. The vocals are kind of what drag it down to where it ends up at this point. Yeah. Um, because the fucking riffs are there. The riffs are there. Band yeah. sounds fucking fantastic. Um, so yeah, um, I really just think, and, oh, and, and of course, and, and I, I do think some of the songs on here go on a little bit too long. Um, and and that's a that's a first because I think that you know all of their prior albums, there's not really a song where I go, oh, does this need to be that long? It, I don't think that doesn't happen until reinventing the steel. Yeah. So clearly, as much as I do like this album, clearly they're compared to like everything else, you know, 
from the from the Phil and Selma years, like I I like like a lot more. But um, which sucks because this is the the Pantera swan song. Like it's yeah, you know, it's the last album that they will ever have done. Um, I don't know. I don't know what what would have happened if they had gotten back together. Um, because I'm sure they would have. I, yeah. Just knowing what I know about all of the guys, and just knowing what I've seen with people who are in, you know, legendary bands getting older, um, maybe it wouldn't have happened within ten years. But I, I think eventually there would have been a Pantera reunion, and yeah. um, may, maybe it would have been awful because you know, <laughs> I, I have no idea. But um, either way, um, we can talk more about that on the next episode because we, you know, we still got five albums each to talk about from the Pantera discography but reinventing the steel was my number six um which wraps up the uh the first half of our Pantera ranking and um yeah that's like I knew I knew that we would have a lot to talk about yeah with their albums and so you definitely need a two-parter for Pantera so um peanut butter platypus as usual peanut butter platypus who are who hang on and um and you know go buy go buy some merch if you haven't already you can you know shirts and mugs and um um hats and I, there's even a even a a cooking apron you can get nice um whatever you know there's all there's all sorts <laughs> of things um anyway um yeah so that's it for uh this episode of Crankton Ranked and part one of our Pantera ranking um any parting words for the peeps out there uh. Yesterday don't mean shit, because tomorrow's a day you have to face. That's true. Yeah, yeah. And um, I don't have a I don't have a good. So, some dude said that. Can't remember who. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll just I'll just say respect. Walk. What'd you, you say? You talking um, to me? Re- <laughs> 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 All right. All right, before that was a before we limp, we're going to be limping our way to the end of this episode. Um, yeah, that's it for this episode of Cranked and Ranked. Thank you very much for joining us. We'll be back next week with part two of the Pantera ranking. And as usual, throw it over to Phil and Sel- I mean, uh, Eddie Sparks to take us out. Lighter!